0: Hi welcome to Anime Echoes where we look at what lies underneath our favourite series. We'll be going through my thoughts on the third novel of Bakano. The story as you all know is a continuation from the second novel so please review those podcast episodes if you want further context but overall, this will have spoilers for the third novel so please read that if you don't want to be spoiled. With all that out of the way, let's get started. Previously I had mentioned that I knew the identity of the rail tracer going in. I was so sure that the rail tracer was the conductor. I had been spoiled after all, but I had no idea what the name of the rail tracer was, what the name of the conductor was. Turns out, the conductor's name was Claire. I was shook right from the start. That was not the name I was expecting. The entire time, I had thought that when they referenced the name Claire, they were talking about the woman in coveralls who we later find out to be Rachel. So this I really enjoyed. I was very confident that I knew what was going on, because I thought I had been spoiled, but turns out, I still got played. One place I didn't get played was in regards to the lumps of meat that were moving on their own in the last novel. We were given the impression that it might be the rail tracer. I remember I thought, if that was parts of the rail tracer coming together after being hurt badly, who could have possibly done it? Who could possibly hurt such a monster? I was right to be sceptical, because it's revealed to be parts of Chez after having his body destroyed. Those lumps were pieces of his body trying to reach him to become whole again. The last thing I want to mention is that I was able to predict correctly that Lat does in fact want to kill Lua, despite them being married. I knew the phrase, I kill those that I love, would be important. I'm really glad such small lines can have such large connotations. It's really satisfying when one gets to notice such things. Now moving on to the many, many scenes that I enjoyed in this third novel. We'll start off with Rachel. I thought that all those moments where Rachel was screaming, no, were like really funny. What happens is she sees the rail tracer in front of her, and he asks to see a ticket. It's the perfect nightmare for her because it's the last thing a ride stealer would want to hear. I found those moments so funny. Her scream was so exaggerated, and the way she just runs off, leaping under the train. So good. Many of the scenes had images to accompany them, which were all drawn beautiful, and were great accompanying pieces to the story. We'll start off with the picture of Rachel crying in front of Claire, asking to end everything with her death. The image is perfectly placed as we get a visual showcase of how hurt she really feels. Another image is the one of Shez hugging Miser. Shez has felt alone for so long and to see him trust Miser and hug him was a really touching scene. I especially like this image because Miser has a somber smile, because he understands the struggle Shez feels. Shez looks like he's been wanting to express his emotions for so long. I think this might be my favourite of the images, I really love this one. Another one I enjoyed was Isaac and Miriam holding shells in between them, they looked like a family in the picture. The image of lad about to punch a pole was an intense one. And lastly, the epilogue image of the rail tracer in the sunlight, signalling the end of the main narrative was a great way to ease the pace and the tension, to finish it off. Now let's move on to the story structure. I always enjoy the prologue chapters because they set the scene, and makes me want to hold on to multiple mysteries at once. Having multiple mysteries and narratives to hold is exactly how I prefer a story to start. It's my personal favourite kind of storytelling. Now back to the scenes I enjoy. We'll start off with the conversation between Lad and Shez, where Shez is offering him some money for his efforts. This was a tense scene because of how Lad was reacting to Shez. Seeing Lad's need to kill the boy in front of him escalate and de-escalate was an interesting way to showcase tension. The tension increases when his need to kill escalates and then the tension decreases when his need to kill de-escalates. It also reveals a lot about Lad's character, which I'll be going into in another episode. Another scene I enjoyed was the cool trick China did where she stabbed the sides of the train so she wouldn't fall off, which inadvertently cuts Claire's ears. During the entire scene, we had no idea that Claire would play into it until he shows up. Since Claire is such a dominating presence, it changes the tone of the scene. I thought that was a really clever way to introduce Claire into the scene and also for Claire's only injury to come from China, helps make their relationship more special. I'll be going into their dynamic more in another episode, but this was definitely one of my favorite scenes. Another thing I really liked was that there was both a black suit member and a white suit member in this section of the story that basically defects from their group. A black suit member gets captured by Jacuzzi and spills the beans about the black suit's plans. This black suit member was having regrets. A white suit member is also regretting being a white suit and is confused by his boss's actions, by Lad's actions, and he eventually sympathizes with Fred and becomes his assistant. It's a fun way to show that not every organization is going to have completely loyal members. Some will defect. Some won't hold on to the values that the organization represents and will question them. Another scene I enjoyed was where Isaac and Miria think to duel some black suits in a compartment. What they do is they throw some powder at the black suits. They're coughing and wheezing, and they end up dropping their weapons. During this attack, Isaac and Mira are thinking, How can we signal the start of the duel? Completely ignoring that they've already damaged their opponent. Despite the already unfair situation, they make it even more unfair to the black suits. What they think is, We can signal the start of the duel when we fire our guns at them, completely dismissing that if they fire their guns, then the duel is basically over, because the black suits will probably die from the first shot. It's funny because of how unreasonable both Isaac and Miria can be sometimes, but that's what makes them great. I really like the scene where Claire grabs the falling Isaac, Miria and Chez, who are tumbling to their deaths. He jumps off a pole onto a moving train that's travelling incredibly fast. He does it with extreme confidence and acts like it was super easy, it's dynamic, kind of insane, and it's a good visual showcase of just how much one can achieve if they egocentrically believe in themselves. Another scene I like, is where Claire looks into Jacuzzi's eyes and thinks they are beautiful. He states that they are terribly gentle eyes, eyes of a pushover, but kinder and stronger than anyone else. His eyes were like the ocean. Jacuzzi's eyes being stronger than anyone else is a huge compliment coming from the rail tracer himself. This is the same guy with eyes that are constantly commented on as having the ability to be like a black hole that devours everything. To see that his own eyes don't have the oceanic depth that Jacuzzi has showcases just how awesome Jacuzzi is. I also really like that he tells Jacuzzi not to keep Nice waiting. It's a great scene. The entire scene where Lad punches a pole and sees it explode was intense. Seeing Lad is always a treat because he always makes sure to add some chaos into the mix. Punching a pole viciously as the last screw you to the rail tracer was a great way to end his point in the story. For him to do that with Lua in his arms was great as well because his dynamic with her is central to his character. I love the scene because it shows his conviction and at the end, he ends up losing his arm and he doesn't care at all. No arm? No problem. He's already doing interviews and thinking about his next kill, Huey. Can't wait to see what he does next. We get to see Fira and Ennis finally meet up with Isaac and Miria. I loved seeing Fira smiling at the fact that Isaac and Mira haven't changed at all, and you can tell that Ennis is delighted to see them as well. I loved every second of this scene, and it's something I've been looking forward to since the beginning of the last novel. Also, Isaac and Mira showing Chez to Ennis as a new brother was both funny and really heartwarming. I really enjoyed the interactions between China and Claire. It was really surprising seeing him propose to her, it felt out of nowhere, but... It makes things exciting for the future. Chyna is now with Jacuzzi's group as she was picked up from jumping off the train. It's funny seeing Nick and Niece drop their food when they see her. They know how powerful she is, so it's no wonder that they can't help but be surprised. Overall, really looking forward to seeing how Chyna's connection with Claire grows, and seeing her learn to trust people eventually would be really great to see as well. I'm also really hoping we see more of Rachel. I really liked how she formed like a solid connection with Claire. Rachel's character arc was one of my favourites because it was really intimate. It didn't really have to do with like what was right or what was wrong. It was all about her conscience and how it was eating away at her the whole time. Her breaking down was heartbreaking, but her coming to terms with it and paying for the rides was really wholesome. Shez's development was also fantastic. Seeing him go from someone who's terrified of trusting others to one who even trusts others that could potentially kill him like Miser. Hearing about what his friend did to him in the past and how it shaped him to the person he was in this novel was horrible. But as always, Isaac and Miria heals all. Other than these awesome scenes, there was quite a surprise as well. Turns out, Nader survived, and so did Goose, at least for a little. Nader taunts Goose saying he's a failure of a professional for never checking if his enemies are dead. A vital flaw of Goose. Before long, Goose croaks and Nader just walks away. It shows that if Goose was perhaps like Claire when he was a hitman, making sure that his enemies died, maybe the events in the last novel would have turned out different. Goose's flaw did him in right until the end, no happy ending for him. Overall, I think I enjoyed this novel more than the second one. I felt like all the interactions in this novel were entertaining and there wasn't really a moment where I wasn't invested. In the second novel, while I had a lot to say about Goose, I didn't find him particularly super interesting, so the novel is kind of pushed back because of that. I think my rankings of the novels may be 3, then 1, and then 2. That being said, I loved all the jacuzzi stuff in the second novel, so it's quite hard for me to rank these actually, but I'll be sticking with that ranking for now. As for what I didn't like in this novel, honestly, I don't have much to say. This is more about my genuine thoughts rather than like a review, so from a place of complete honesty, I had a blast. I really like Narita's writing style. I'm just glad I get to read stories where there's so many characters to jump around with. Anyway, those are my thoughts for Bakano Light Novel 3. Now onto the themes. I don't know if I picked up on many of the themes, but I mostly noticed surrounded the eyes or the eyes as a motif. We get a lot of references to eyes in this story. We hear about how China's eyes reflect a certain amount of carnage and how they bore into the back of Rachel. We hear about Claire's eyes as being a black hole that devours all. We hear about Rachel's eyes and how Vicky, one of the white suits, had to avert his gaze from her because her eyes were so intense. We hear about Jacuzzi's eyes being like the ocean. All of these comments about these characters' eyes have one thing in common. They all reflect aspects of the character through the eyes. The character is revealed through the eyes. For example, as mentioned before, China's eyes reflect a certain amount of carnage. If one's eyes reflect carnage, then we can assume that they've lived a life where they've seen a lot or have underworld connections. Another example is Jacuzzi's eyes are like the ocean. An ocean is vast and encompasses all. It's calming and caring, and it can also reflect the endless tears that Jacuzzi has. Hence the motif of the eyes is used to reflect character. The author also does this in an interesting way when it comes to Chez. In one moment, Chez is unaware if the adult version of him is the real him or if the kid version of him is the real Chez. He comes to the conclusion that the version of him that is real is reflected in the eyes of the rail tracer as he's been tortured. A character can even find themselves in the eyes of others. Once again, eyes reveal character. The information broker also uses the idea of eyes revealing character to his advantage. He would prefer that the information gopher, so the person who's giving him information, that he sees them in person, right in front of him. Why? Because the person's eyes will showcase whether he's telling the truth or not. Though despite eyes revealing character, it doesn't necessarily mean that if someone sees the eyes of another character, that they have a full grasp of the depth and nuances of someone else. An example of this would be when Rachel is peering into Claire's eyes, but only seeing darkness. Despite looking in, she doesn't notice that Claire isn't in his rail-tracer mode. That within him, he wasn't feeling any murderous intent, but just wanted to check a ticket, to be the conductor he's supposed to be. Now Rachel does not pick up on this state change. Now it makes sense that you can't fully grasp who someone is all the time just by looking at them. But let's also find a reason why Rachel could not do this despite the novel where most characters have pretty good intuition when it comes to the eyes of others. I think a good place to look would be at Claire. His appearance at the time was once soaked in blood as the rail tracer. With Claire looking so menacing despite his eyes, I think it's fair to assume that sometimes if you look scary on the outside, the shift in character will not be noticed. The presence of one covered in blood is just too strong even if the eyes change a little. Overall, it doesn't change the fact that there's someone who's covered in blood right in front of you. Now we do hear about how Rachel has incredible danger instincts due to working in the underworld as an information broker. It seems her previous experience has given her a second sense for danger. She's in touch with the senses. This brings us to the one thing that the novel asks us to trust other than the eyes, the senses and the instincts. Examples include Chane sensing lad on the roof, Rachel's danger instincts mask in the rail tracer's intentions in front of her, we just talked about that. And lastly, when Rachel changes as a person, she tells her information broker that she doesn't know why. The information broker says, it's good that she trusts her instincts. Now I initially thought the idea of trusting sensation or the instincts to be separate from trusting the eyes, but they aren't. Trusting the eyes you see before you is the same thing as trusting one's own sight, and the meaning behind that that also uses the five senses. The danger instinct, in order to feel that in your body, or for Chane to feel lad, that all uses the five senses. Now I was thinking that perhaps this could be a shounen-esque thing, where characters feel stuff for dramatic effect. That could very much be the case, but I'm curious to see if trusting one's senses is a theme that is further developed. Another theme in this novel was trust. Shez has trust issues and eventually comes to terms with them. He used to not trust others due to the betrayal from his friend, but Isaac and Miria break through. Isaac, Miriam, and Mary are all considered to have childlike trust in others. That naivety is ultimately what helps Shez. Chane also in some ways learns to trust Claire. China only trusts her family, which is just Huey, but Claire breaks through. If she wasn't learning to trust, she wouldn't have written that she wanted to meet Claire in Manhattan. I didn't notice much for the theme of old generation versus new generation, but I've been told to keep an eye out for the theme to reappear. In terms of the eating theme, there wasn't much else I found, so maybe I missed it. Anyway that's all for the themes, I hope you guys enjoyed my thoughts, now till next time, thanks for listening. Next week we'll be going through an analysis of Claire Stanfield, so I'll see you guys then.